the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We really wanted to have children. And so, you know, obviously, if you want to have children, it's not a good idea to marry someone who doesn't want any at all. I was very adamant about that. And in fact, I only grudgingly agreed to have maybe one or two in order to get my now husband uh, to ask me to marry him. In a culture as politically polarized and aggressively tribalized as ours, how do people change their minds? I'm Georgie Borman, a mother and cultural commentator born and raised on the West Coast. I want to know what we can learn from people who've been on both sides of contentious issues, whether they end up on the right or the left. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the 180 cast. How many gets you off? Five? Yeah. So rewind You're back to, to say that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Scare everybody right now. <laughs> Welcome back to the 180 cast. We are joined today by executive editor at The Federalist, Joy Pullman. Um, Joy, you have an interesting... Hi. St- <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you have an interesting story to tell, and I reached out to you to do this podcast because I think that your story might be helpful to a lot of women or couples really who are not quite sure how they feel about parenthood. And there's something like a fifth of of people aged, I think between 20 and 45, that are not quite sure how they feel about parenthood. So if you could take me back to rewind... How many kids do you have? Five? Yep. Five kids. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So rewind You're back to... to say that at the end of the podcast, we don't <laughs> scare everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't scare me. I'm a middle child of five kids. Um, okay. I mean but... normal people. You know everybody else who is normal except like, you know, not like us. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to let you tell your own story. What... What was going through your mind when you first got pregnant with your first kid? Where were you in life? Well, I'm going to give a little bit of context. Um, so, so I'll back up just a bit further. So I come actually from a family of seven kids. And there, I mean, there's a lot of great things about that. But one of the other not so great consequences of it was that I was tired of kids by the time I got out on my own. I went to college, you know, got my, my first job. And I thought that I did not want to have, I wanted to have as few kids as possible. (laughs) I was very adamant about that. And in fact, I only agreed to have, grudgingly agreed to have maybe one or two in order to get my now husband uh, to ask me to marry him. (laughs) You know, because as we were dating, you know, you have those conversations um, about those important things in your life. And it was really, he really wanted to have children. And so, you know, obviously, if you want to have children, it's not a good idea to marry someone who doesn't want any at all. (laughs) 
So yes. I knew he was, you know, well, we're, I knew he was scoping me out and I, I was in love with him madly. So I decided, fine, you know, if, if a couple, if kids have to be a package deal with this man, I guess I'll eke out one or two <laughs> okay. in order to get him. Um, but I really didn't want to. And so my plan was to put it off as long as possible, to have as few kids as possible, to just get this, you know, nasty, annoying deed out of the way, <laughs> uh, you know, and think about it later. So I re- we also, you know, really wanted I wanted to get established in, in my career. Um, I um, ha- have always had really good grades. And so I'm, I'm you know, uh, an A student type of person, um, someone I also have always been really, I don't know, type A, you know, so I'm always getting internships, working hard, you know, excelling, top of the class kind of thing. So I was envisioning, you know, a, a hard charging career life ahead of me. Um, and I was ready to do that when I left college. Um, and so kids were just not part of that plan for my life at all. So when I found, I, I found out that I was pregnant about three months after we were married and I was utterly devastated. It was, it was, I mean, and and now I, I'm laughing at my former self, and that's also kind of embarrassing. <laughs> both yeah, both silly and embarrassing. But you know, at the time, I was I basically threw a nine month long tantrum um, over the fact of finding out that I was going to be pregnant. I thought it was going to ruin all my plans. It it, it and anyway, and uh, it was I, I was just so 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 upset. Um, so. <laughs> But through through that pro- it was really pr- through that process it was really I did not expect myself to throw the tantrum that I did but you know how it is when you mm-hmm. face difficult things in your life you, um, I mean I, I mean I guess I don't know how it is for other people but you know many times at least I maybe don't have the self awareness until I'm in that situation you don't know what to expect until it actually happens you know maybe you know like grieving a loved one or even I think right. good things like marriage I didn't know what to expect out of, out of a marriage. Um, and it has turned out to be a really wonderful thing. So it was the same thing about um, being pregnant, finding myself pregnant. I did not expect myself, in, in short, to be such a selfish, horrible person that I would not love my own child. So that, <laughs> right. you know, so not love my own child in the way that I would be welcoming and excited, you know, like the way that a mother really should be about her baby. And so I not only had to deal with my my negative feelings, but also my negative feelings about my negative feelings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really, it was really an emotional time. And then, of course, I'm sure a lot of that is influenced by pregnancy hormones, you know, um, uh, then trying to get adjusted, you know, to, to my first post-college job and being out on my own. Um, there were, you know, some things happening in, in my extended family at that time. So it was really quite a time in my life. Um, so, but that, it was very painful, I think, as, as is obvious for me. But, but that pain, I'm really, really happy. I mean, it completely changed, you know, my, my mind about how good kids are. And so I started from being very anti-children, really not wanting to have any. Um, and and it, this didn't all happen overnight just with my first baby, but, you know, through each subsequent child, I have gradually, gradually grown more and more to enjoy them, to love them, and to, to appreciate the beauty that they bring to my life, as well as the character training and the self-discipline um, and revealing those flaws in the selfishness that are really lurking deep within my own heart that I don't didn't want to look at and still don't. And so kids, I mean, but if you don't ever bring it to light, you can't ever address it. Um, and kids are really good at doing that. So, so is marriage, by the way. So I, that, I guess that was one of, you know, I, I've done a couple of 180s in my life, but that was one of the 
big ones for sure of switching from, yeah, being, I mean, I felt viciously anti-child. I mean, vicious is probably the only way to put it. And now, you know, I think kids are great. I have a collection started. A collection. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Yeah. And plus, you know, pregnancy itself is really hard. And I think sometimes when people talk about becoming a, becoming a parent, we, we gloss over that sometimes on um, preparing women just for the roller coaster, just physically that is pregnancy. Did you have like any morning sickness or? Well, it has depended on the pregnancy, but I've had, I mean, uh, I, I, it varies, I guess, with the pregnancy and I don't know how that relates to, you know, why that is, but that has been the case. So I typically do have at least some morning sickness for at least the first three to six months of pregnancy with some babies I've had it the whole time. And with, uh, I'm not, luckily I never had it, you know, to the point where I needed medication or I was throwing up constantly, but just kind of like constant queasiness or, you know, I, anyway, I don't need to get into details, but like if I don't yeah. eat enough food, then I'll have, you know, more queasiness and, and symptoms and, and things. So, but with other ones, it's been just kind of mildly there. So I guess it's, it's really varied. Yeah. So when it came time to give birth and you met your kid, what, what was going through your mind by that point? Well, the, well, the, my first child's birth was my least favorite one because I, A of all, didn't know what I was doing. But B of all, my midwife, I went two weeks early with him. And I did not, and my midwife didn't expect that because it's typically first-time mothers will go over their due date, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mid, my midwife that I had been working with and developing a rapport with, she was at a conference um, when I went into labor. And so I was being cared for by birth attendants who did not know me at all. They were very nice people. You know, they did a good job. But that, I mean, but that sort of sense of like warmth and understanding that I really love midwives for was not there. And I needed it most at that time because I didn't, I'd never, you know, gone into labor before. I didn't know what was happening. And I was extremely anxious. It was, you know, obviously my most anxious birth for just being a new mom on top of all of these negative feelings about being pregnant at all. Um, so that, I mean, it was, it was painful. <laughs> Um, but the baby, you know, he came out, <laughs> uh, nobody was hurt. Everyone was perfectly healthy. Um, very robust little fella. Um, and I, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, cause it's hard to really say what you're feeling at that point, because by the time you're at, done with labor, I'm, I'm just so tired. All I want right. to do is eat a hamburger and go to sleep. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but it, I mean, but once I could, I mean, because before I had, you know, before he came out of me, he was not quite a full person to me. I mean, I knew he was a person. I believed he was a person and that is why I didn't kill him. Right. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. so I, I knew that he was a human being inside my belly, but I didn't, I didn't, couldn't see him, you know, it, he was just this irritating thing that made me really uncomfortable. And I couldn't, I didn't have any of the great baby stuff to kind of balance out all, you know, the annoyance and co- uncomfortableness that babies and other people always bring to your life. So, I mean, I, I, part of the reason I love having kids is because they're cute and they're funny and they do silly and sweet things. And, you know, that none of that happens during pregnancy, at least in my opinion, right? I'm getting my belly blown up, blown up like a ball. I'm not at all sexy. Like I'm having, you know, weird things happening here and there. There's stretch marks going on. It's just not a great time in my life. I didn't. And then on top of all that, you get no cute gurgles. You get no snuggles. You none of like the things that offset, um, you know, the negatives that outweigh them. Um, but so, but once I was able to see him, I couldn't, you know, the negativity really absolutely did fade away because how can you look at, 
a little newborn and despise him. I can't, luckily, thank goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people can, but my heart hadn't gotten that hard, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah. So having him there in my arms, you know, I, I would be, and I still am, you know, with all my kids, and I'm, they are with me, exasperated sometimes, certainly tired plenty of times, you know, frustrated, but there's still underlying all of that. There's a, there's a love where you know that even though maybe right now we're mad at each other, maybe right now you spilled paint all over my carpet, you know, but, you know, that this is just a surface, you know, ripple. And underneath that is this ocean, you know, of love and connection that we have because we're bonded to each other because we're family. Yeah, I felt I actually felt pretty similar about both of my pregnancies with Ellie and with this one, even though both of them were intended. It does seem like, yes, we know on a surface we know like we know that they're people that they're human beings, but it is hard to sort of imagine what life is going to be like with them until they actually are born. And yeah, uh, it, yeah. and I, I struggle, I struggle with that too. I'm like, this kid is keep, kicking the crap out of yes, me all the yes. time. You're so <laughs> annoying. You're making me fat and sick and uncomfortable. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I honestly, like the last month of my pregnancy, I'm like, just get out, baby. Just get out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're being now. Mommy's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, so when did you decide that you wanted to have more, or was it like a case by case basis? Like, I'll have one more, and then we'll see where it goes. Like, how did you end up from not wanting any to having five beautiful kids? Well, I, th- I mean, the, my first two were, I mean, I don't like to say unintended or, or, you know, because, I mean, if I really didn't want to have kids, I wouldn't have sex. Like, so that's the only way not to do it. So <laughs> if you're, you know, married, you're having sex with your husband, sometimes kids happen. That's just the way things are, even, you know, even if you're using some of these various methods. But I'm kind of a health nut, and I have never been very comfortable with the chemicals that are involved with all of the various chemical birth control methods. And so I had considered some of them and just never, you know, got around to using them. And so the first two children that we had are just kind of, you know, a result of having less control about my fertility because of my antipathy towards, you know, spraying chemicals all over my womb. Um, But by the time we got to our third uh, child, that was more of a, well, you know, if a baby happens, whatever. I kind of like the ones that I have. And then, you know, by the fourth, it was even a little more in that direction. And the fourth one was so cute. He had curly golden locks. And he is a stinker, but he's adorable. And so I just fell so much in love with my fourth baby that I wanted to have another one really badly. So we the, the, so the fifth one I would say was fully quote-unquote intended. <laughs> and she is wonderful, too. Um, so it kind of it kind of slowly, slowly grew and grew, um, you know, from grudgingly accepting the babies to, you know, actually actively wanting more. Yeah. And I think your your situation sheds a lot of light on the situation of a lot of other mothers who maybe didn't intend to be pregnant, but their perspectives change as they progress through their pregnancy and as they progress through motherhood and have more kids. Like, it's just so interesting because I really was not quite sure when I wanted to have the first one. It was more my husband was like, I think we're ready. I mean, we had been married for like five years. So he was like, I think we're ready. And of course he was right because Cody is 
right most of the time. So is my husband. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's I hate so that. Annoying. Oh, yeah. He's going to listen to this and maybe gloat just a little bit. Yes, that's probably exactly well what he deserved. does. I say that to him in exasperation. And he gets that smirk on his face and then it makes you even more angry. <laughs> right, right. But then, it, yeah, but then it was different. It's like once you have this this child who is your flesh and blood and you see your own resemblance in them and, and their father's resemblance in them. It just, yeah, it, it just does something to you. And the next one, I mean, I'm nervous about having a boy, but yeah, it, you just, you, it feels just a little bit more real this time. You know, like we were talking a few minutes ago about your kids not quite seeming like reality. They just still seem like a potentiality while they're still in the womb. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I have actually, and I've slowly, you know, as I've slowly learned some more things about this, you know, over the course of time having these kids. And when I have conversations with older, you know, with older people, 50 plus, I have heard many, many times from them, I wish we could have had more. I wish we did have more. I wish we'd chosen to have more. I have never, never once heard anyone say we had too many. And I, and from that, I've kind of switched into thinking, like, rather, how few can I get by with, you know, and satisfy this agreement I made with my husband <laughs> to, well, how many children would I like to have had when I am a grandmother, when I'm, when I'm maybe not a grandmother, when I'm 50, you know, when, when I'm 60, when, you know, when I'm 70, in the later years of my life, what do I want my Thanksgivings to be filled like? What do I want my summers to be filled with? Do I really, you know, and, and the answer always is, man, I mean, I really like to have as many kids as I can possibly handle. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of feeling like five. I'm feeling pretty full right now. But, you know, maybe after a couple of years down the road, and luckily we started having kids quite young, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road, I'll say, yeah, you know, I'm ready to have another human being in my life for the rest of my life. Um, and so, yeah, so every time I look back at it and think, when I'm 50, how many will I have wanted to have? The answer is, you know, always as many as I could have possibly emotionally and financially and physically managed to create. Yeah, that's a great question to ask. So what what do you think are the biggest things that are holding women and couples back from beginning parent- parenthood? Because the age of first pregnancy just keeps rising um, in the United States, at least. So what what do you think is holding them back? Is it just not knowing what it's going to be like? Is it like that sort of anxiety about the unknown like you you mentioned at the beginning or or is it logistical concerns like is it affordable child care or well i mean i think it's obviously with any sort of these cultural trend things there's there's a lot of factors that are going to play into it and everybody always brings up oh well you know millennials have or i'm i guess you know gen z also they have so much college debt you know and that that's true you know my husband and i we had our first baby when we had student loans still to pay off, and that was one of the things that made me anxious. But honestly, in retrospect, it was not a problem to knock off that college debt. We did it in, you know, in, in our, our loans. When we had the average, uh, <clears throat> I forget, I think the average student debt is around $27,000. Um, mm-hmm. And we had that. And, you know, we, if, when we put our nose to the grindstone, even with having a baby, we were able to pay that off, even living in an expensive city. So I really, I mean, and, and especially right now, we're in a really good economy. And I mean, if, if you're willing to work and you show up at work on time and you know how to cut costs, it's really not that, it really 
isn't impossible to knock off your student debt really quickly. I, so, I mean, that I'm sure that people who don't know how to manage their finances very carefully would feel that's a barrier and they will say that in, in polls, but I don't think that's as big of an actual problem as people's perception of it is. And you know a lot about that. You know, that's one of your areas of expertise. I mean, I do think that part of it is is fear. You know, it you know it's a scary thing to have another human inside your body. Um, and, and fewer and fewer people ha are, are around pregnant ladies and around women who can talk to them about what the experience is like and, and tell them about the joy. There, there's also, I mean, but I think one of the, another one of the really big reasons for this is just the cultural messages that we're getting. You know, so, I mean, I grew up in a, in a conservative religious household with a lot of siblings, and my parents are obviously very pro-children. And I came away from that experience, you know, with the typical cultural line, you know, of, Go, you know, your worth is found in having a career and getting, you know, a resume <clears throat> and achieving things in the workplace. And I was really not even, you know, despite, <coughs> excuse me, I have a cold right now. Um, you know, so d despite, you know, even my, my pro-family environment that I was raised in, I still got the cultural message that children are something, you know, that you, you give to, you know, people who are poor to do, take care of while you do something more important. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a condescending and false message, but I mean, I think it is really strong in our culture. And I mean, I've heard it from a lot of young ladies. I, I also think, you know, so be, besides being scared of babies, I think people are scared of marriage and marriage needs to be in place before you have babies. <coughs> I think something that we don't talk about uh, enough of is that millennials, Gen Zers are really hurt by our culture's loose um, pretending that divorce ha does not hurt the kids and doesn't have spillover effects to other people's kids. Um, it absolutely does. It, it shatters people's sense of security and their ability and their, their sense that I can have a, a marriage and we can make it work even if we hit tough times like everybody does. So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on in the mix, but I think a lot of them are, are just play, plain lies. Hmm. I think that's a great point about about divorce because a lot of people in my generation, um, you know, have parents who, who did get divorced. And, and I could see how that might make somebody more reticent to not just get married, but become a parent because, you know, they know exactly how that feels and they don't want that to happen to their own kids. Well, I also think, you know, the boomers give give kids really bad, you know, they, they're the ones who are telling us, you know, prioritize your college and your career over a family. Rather than seeing the career as a means to providing for a family, they see the family as an obstacle to a career. And I think that's a completely wrong and anti-family, anti-child message. And, and parents straight up just tell their kids to do that. And, you know, of course, parents are influential on what young people decide to do, and parents are telling them the wrong things. Yes, yeah, so there's only so much time to, like, figure this out. Um, right. If you've been sent wrong messages for, you know, all through your teenage years and most of your your 20s and then you're like but I really want to have a kid but then you know the rest of society is telling me you know have maybe one maybe maybe have one kid at 29 or 30 and then then it'll you know I mean it depends on on where you live and what kind of subculture you're living in but it, it does seem like unfortunately a lot of women it's like, well it's exactly like what you said um that women don't that they're getting this message. I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, Joy. 
It's oh no! Not I mean, women—I mean, the cultural script that especially women are given, right? Because you know, men can wait a little longer, and they're still fertile, you know, right? Um, but women are really, you know, and all—I mean, but like women have to do all the hard work of having those babies. So you want to do that when your body is at its peak, peak of strength, you know, peak, peak youth, all of that uh, stuff. If you know, you want to have an optimal pregnancy. Um, and not have, you know, you're not dragging your belly around on a bad back. <laughs> yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's, it's just totally different, you know, to have a pregnancy young and to have one older. And so, I mean, again, I mean, still have the baby, right? I would I'm totally take the babies with back pain over the ones with not, without back pain. But still, you know, it, it sets people up for a better time of it, as well as, you know, once those kids get out, you want to play football with them, right? You, you want to play basketball with them. You want to go on bike rides and, and keep up with your kids and, and have an active life. And if you're 45 years old when you're doing that, it's just going to be harder than if you're 30, 35. Yeah, and further on down the line, if you think even more long-term, what what sort of state do you want to be in physically and mentally when your children are, are having children? And to be able to be with your grandkids, especially with, with Alzheimer's being such a big deal nowadays and seeming to hit a lot of folks fairly early on it's like i want to be able to remember i want to be able to to be fully present with my grandkids um and that's something to consider as well you know we don't like to especially in america i think we don't like to think about our mortality very much but if you look at your entire lifespan and it's not like you know, all of this is going to work out equally for everybody that there's only one, you know, big box formula for a successful life. You know, everybody does things differently. Um, right. And there's and grace. Th- and, you know, people, you know, people who start, I mean, my mom had seven kids and she didn't get married till she was 30, you know, and mm-hmm. but, I mean, the last pregnancies were hard on her. So, I mean, and again, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't give up my siblings and she wouldn't give up her kids. But, you know, if you're going, you know, it, it just it's, it's you're just changing your kind of your risk profile. If, if you get lucky or you make choices that fit how bodies tend to work. What would you say to a woman sitting across from you like right now who is in a similar position to where you were with finding out you were pregnant with your first kid? What what sort of advice would you give them about? parenthood and what it's like because it is such a it is such a change from going from not being a parent to being a parent it's like a totally different world so what would you say what would you say to somebody in in your position well i would probably just give her a big hug and uh, more than once <laughs> and call every week yeah. or two to check up on her and um you know maybe take her you know somewhere fun and get her mind out of her uh belly <laughs> yeah um yeah um because when you're going through those sorts of emotional experiences i don't know if there's a lot of talking that can really relieve it but i would i mean there are a couple of people in my life my boss I, I worked at the time at the american enterprise institute my boss was such a wonderful person he would just occasionally come by and say just wonderful short positive things you are so lucky you know you're having this baby early you know, I, we didn't have ours until a decade later than you are in it. You know, we love our kids, but it was hard. This is so great. Literally, he would say that. And, um, you know, and that was it. You know, then, you know, a couple of weeks later, oh, man, you know, the, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure you're looking forward to your baby. You know, it's going to be so much fun. Um, and I would 
was doubtful at the time, but it was in retrospect, extremely encouraging. Um, so, I mean, that's the sort of things I would say. You don't, <laughs> you're, you know, you, you might be scared, you might be nervous, but look, babies don't die easily. You're going to figure this out. You know, none of you are going to be up for 48 hours straight, <laughs> yeah. even if it feels like yeah. you are sometimes. People have been having babies for centuries. You can do this. You know, there, there's lots of help available. Um, you know, we have so much money and so much information in our society. You're, you know, we have so little disease. This is such a great time to have a baby. Um, and you are going to have so much fun. It's going to be so much better than you think it is going to be. It's going to blow your mind. Um, just, just you, I, I can't wait for you to discover that. Yeah. And it's great that you mentioned the encouraging words from your boss. I was just listening to, to one of our pastors the other day. He was telling a, a group of, of young um, teenagers that you have more influence than you know. You know, you can be the one to shape how other people think about things and guide them in the right direction. And I think that's so true that the people around us, especially when we're scared and we're in situations where we're just not even really sure how to feel about it. And we might, like you said, feel bad about feeling about having negative feelings that the people around us can be such a positive influence in our life in shaping how we think and, and giving us an idea of what we can look forward to. And I didn't even mention my husband, but of course he is not only a wonderful person. Now he was such a wonderful person throughout having our baby. He wanted the baby. He loved the baby. He was happy when I told him that I was pregnant. Um, He, you know, did all the wonderful husband things, running around, getting me ice cream at three in the morning, you know, rubbing my back. Um, (laughs) I can still remember, you know, our our 3 a.m. drive over, you know, to the birth center. (laughs) Um, I mean, and his, his love for both me and our children is, I mean, that is the number one thing. Um, so if, you know, men are listening, that matters a lot to your wives and matters a lot. If, if you're dating a girl, your your positive view of her capacity as a mother and, and your potential for children together is extremely important to her. She's getting messages from everywhere else that are negative, And you have a really important role to play in, in reshaping how she thinks about that in a way that can breathe life into your family. Yeah, that's great advice. Joy, thank you so much for joining me today. I have gotten a lot out of this conversation, and I think our listeners will as well. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Why, thanks for having sure. me. I love to talk with you. Yes, I love talking with you too. So, oh, I did want to quickly mention, you have done a lot of work in researching childcare and things like that. Where can listeners find your media hits, your articles, things like that, that kind of pertain to this whole genre? Um, I put up, uh, when, I, when I remember, which is maybe 80% of the time, I have a Facebook page. If you search for my name and, and, and subscribe to the page instead of to my personal profile, I only friend people on my personal profile that I've actually personally met. So don't, don't click on that one because I won't friend you even if you're a really nice person. But if you just search my name, Joy Pullman, on Facebook, you'll find my page and that's where you can get all my articles. Or you can just go straight um, to thefederalist.com, type my name into the search bar, and you'll find my stuff there too. Awesome. You can follow the podcast on social media at 180cast. 
give us a review on iTunes if you like the podcast. You can also send me your feedback via direct message on Twitter at 180cast. And if you have your own 180 story to share, please hit me up on Twitter as well. And you can follow me at Georgie underscore Borman if you so choose, but you definitely don't have to. Until next time, seek the truth, share your values, and listen with your heart and your mind. God bless. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.